Podcast. We demystify what goes on behind the therapy room door. Join us on this voyage of discovery and co-creative conversations. This is The Therapy Show, Behind Closed Doors podcast, with Bob Cook and Jackie Jones. Welcome to this next episode of The Therapy Show, um, with Bob Cook and Jackie Jones, only it's not Bob this week. Um, We've got Bob's wonderful wife, Steph, who's also a psychotherapist, and um, are you co-founder of the Manchester Institute? No, I'm just a co-director. Co-director. But, you know, uh, uh, what they say about... Uh, a great man behind every great man is a great woman so. even better woman even better not just great stuff um so we're going to continue on the theme of working with different clients and um this week we're going to be talking about the antisocial clients Steph's Steph's an expert in this field so Bob's giving up his chair to Steph so that she can talk about this so what we normally do with Bob is kind of talk about how the client presents and then maybe the treatment plan and how we work with the antisocial client. Okay, fine. So, so over to uh, you, what, what do you want to start off doing? Uh, first of all, only to say I've had experience uh, in my early so- social work life working with antisocials. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm an expert, but I quite like working with them actually because they're a challenge and they're quite good fun. Yeah. Uh, well, they can be. What age would you say that you can start to see this personality type develop? I would say in their teens usually because, you know, that's the time of life we expect kids to start getting it together uh, and being responsible Um you know, it's the time, although teenagers have got reputation uh, of being um, a bit riotous and, you know, getting into trouble, but antisocials forever getting into trouble. They have no sense of boundaries. So I would say it usually is more apparent in the teenage years. Yeah. The reason why I'm asking that, I think that was probably the first time that I came across anybody that I thought was possibly this was when I was fostering teenage boys. Oh, yeah. (laughs) There was was quite a bit that was kind of, oh, this is this is something different. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you're saying that you you came across it whilst fostering because it's usually kids come into fostering realm. You know, my experience anyway, as a previously social worker, um, because parents can't manage them and it's usually they've not been managed. As yeah. to when they come into care and you end up, you know, having to deal with that uh, and the, you know, the, the flack that comes from a child who hasn't been consistently parented. Yeah, yeah. And like you say, the, the boundaries and things like that was, yeah. was an issue. Yeah. And consequences, not realising how their actions had yeah. a consequence. They don't, well, they, don't, they don't really have, you know, um, what's it called? They don't have a, a sense of uh, their impact, really. Yeah, that yeah. They have any sense of the other. Uh, I think that was the thing that I noticed more than anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, the key issue really is that they, they come from a background where there is um, uh, hardly any parenting, minimal 
parenting or no parenting at all so you know on, on the spectrum the middle yeah. is minimal yeah is none and that's hardly any yeah um, and depending on that level depends on what kind of behavior you end up having to manage um, and so you know the, the the clinical picture is um i actually i actually wrote an article so i've got the, the clinical picture is um that they they tend to be a challenge to work with because they have no sense of um, the norm, normal boundaries. Yeah. And boundaries are just so difficult to keep with an antisocial because once the damage is done, you have to work so hard to reset the boundary. Yeah. And it takes an awful lot of energy and, you know, possibly near 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 enough saint-like patience <laughs> to keep that continuum going yeah um because you know they 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 tend to do the acting out because it's a way of them dealing with feelings so if you have an inconsistent parent you'll know that parent has not dealt with those feelings yeah so what they do is they initially at a younger age, act out to get attention. Then the acting out becomes really quite serious as they get older. And as yeah. you know, adolescent acting out can can go into the realm of offending. Yeah, yeah. So you end up with the police knocking on your door. Yeah. Um, and you know, they use their behavior to protect themselves from feelings. Um, and because one of the things that happens when they're very young is they usually come from a background where they have a very um laissez-faire if you like laid-back mother one minute who is somebody who anything will go with and then she'll, they'll have a, a mother that's attend attentive or on the other extreme so it's a bit like you know the 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 the, the three levels i said about slightly involving min minimal and not at all yeah that's the reflection of the mother who does the same thing and when she's at her worst she'll hit them or push them away or reject them and say get out you know I don't want anything to do with you and possibly even become violent with them um, so you can understand how come they've got this this vessel full of anger and sadness they can't do anything about so to manage it they act out yeah which is really really difficult to deal with if you're the one that's having to uh, deal with the fallout yeah um, so they tend to have a little bit of a tough guy outside sense of being and a real empty inside sense of being. Um, and they'll want high, high stimulation because they cannot deal with boredom. So they'll always be wanting to do something. So, you you know, the, the, the younger adolescent will get into mischief, break windows, you know, uh, nick things go stealing, nick someone's bike. The older adolescent will get into fights and that kind of high level stimulation uh, and break in and do burglary. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, they are very dependent on external stimuli, very dependent. So slightly narcissistic components if you think about it because it's all about them. Yeah, I think that was the thing that I, kind of struggled to separate out was is this narcissistic or is this antisocial there, there was definitely a crossover and that you know inability to take responsibility for things 
you know they did it because they did this to me or you know it, it was it they just never took responsibility for their actions and again that's all about the defense that yeah. kind of wall they build up yeah that they don't want you to get through and they also have slightly sadistic components about them as well because they are really angry ragingly angry about yeah. the rejections you know so the so the antisocial male depending on the level uh, would have had a really uh, not just a really uninvolving mother but um, a really uninvolving father who's n probably never been there to set the boundaries or to show this is what a you know a, a male yeah yeah um, so they have um, a tendency to want to take it out on somebody yeah and not really have any uh, thoughts afterwards of the impact that has uh, no conscience yeah um so what they do need is a really strong structure to be able to function and they don't have that they don't have that because it's not been role modeled for them um um, and when that happens is they tend to, although you probably don't see it, or you might just see a little bit of it, go into extreme panic and fear if things don't go the way they thought they were going to go. Yeah? Yeah. The way they defend against that is violence or anger or acting out in some way. But internally, internally, they are fearful and frightful of whatever's going on for them because they don't have that internal parent that says... It's going to be all right. You've got options. You can go and get help from X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Because the other decision they would have made fairly early on in their early life is they're never going to ever going to let anybody get close enough to let them down in the way that their parents have let them down. Yeah. yeah. So that's the bottom line. So they don't ask for support. They don't ask for help. So they live in this world where they need this, you know, real extreme stimulus to defend, defend against the extreme fear and scare and panic. Which is a, a, a nightmare for them. <laughs> you know, it, it's, yeah, you can understand when you're talking about it like that, the, the teenagers that I was working with, the, the real extremes, you know, and not wanting to stereotype, but particularly males will cover up fear and anxiety with aggression and anger anyway you know so yeah it's it's a shame being on the receiving end of it is difficult but for them you know on the other side it's it's a nightmare when you think about what the experiences must have been like for them as children to yeah. be in the, in the role of having to parent themselves all the time yeah so that that way of being doesn't change in their adult life. They're still no. kind of parenting themselves from a child perspective. Yeah, yeah. So no, very black and white stuff. You're either nice or you're not nice. You, yeah, it's either good or it's bad. In TA terms, if you think about it, what, how we talk about it is that um, in the child, they've got, uh, in the child ego state, you've got um, P1, A1 and C1. Yeah. Um, and mostly the decision making comes from from P1 and, and A1. Yeah. Um, you know, which is like a very undeveloped parent. Yeah. So, um, I was thinking uh, thinking about a couple I work with and the guy was typically 
typically antisocial. And he parented his, ch his children from a small, almost like uh, a childlike way of parenting them. There was no leeway. There was no, um, okay, let's negotiate or, you know, no ex talking things through. It was, you did this, so you're going to have this because that's what I think you should have. Yeah. Um, and and that's, that's how he thought thought it should be done and he's he was really functioning for a very small child place really when i was was doing my training the way that i kind of got my head around that was because i'm a nursery nurse that was one of my first jobs is to remember what it was like in the you know the role play corner when i was working in reception class when you saw you know and playing mums and dads with the baby if the baby didn't stop crying you know picking it up and smacking its head against the wall to shut it up it's that real basic parenting that little kids do yeah so that's you, yeah that's exactly right you're absolutely spot on jackie so you know give give the baby the mustard medicine yeah that's what when you're talking about p1 and a1 it's that kind of basic just yeah. stop doing what you're doing yeah yeah and so i was squirting washing up liquid in their children's mouths for bad mouthing back at him yeah some I mean, real extreme stuff yeah it was quite yeah. shocking yeah yeah when they told me about this um <laughs> it's it, you can imagine the buttons it's pressed with me yes yeah safeguarding etc et but from their point of view it makes perfect sense that to me was one of the difficulties is that i don't see what the problem is that makes sense why why is that not appropriate <laughs> yeah and, and so and so um they have an extreme fear if if their behavior doesn't work and that's one of the ways they kind of try kind and uh, 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 take back control um, and you know, from a from a, um, a, a parenting message, a motherly message, I guess, or a female antisocial message, it will be, "You need me, I don't need you." Yeah. And from a male clinical picture, is, "I'll test you out, but I won't believe you." So you can see how that would be a huge challenge in the therapy room, for you and as you as a foster mother to kids who are. Yeah. You know, antisocial how do you connect with those kids how do you connect with those people who have that view of relationships yeah. it's exhausting <laughs> yeah because they have a low frustration uh, tolerance yeah. they seek excitement and drama they have higher energy they also tend to be uh, quite goal oriented as well because they quite like the 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 comeback and the strokes from achievement yeah yeah um, and they do think really well on their feet. Um, it's just that they tend to be so, they make such irrational decisions. Their decision-making is not thought-out decision-making. Yeah, yeah. They tend to get themselves into problems. And there's different types of um, uh, antisocial presentations. So there's the impulsive type, the explosive type. Um, there's also the perverted antisocial presentation as well where they uh, they become um, eroticized by other people's displeasure uh, with the displeasure of others 
um, um, being the bad object of another. So it will be someone who will talk about things in a very sexual way in company to see people squirm yeah. uh, and the discomfort in the response to that. And gamblers, that's another presentation because um, the rules of the game become their external structure. So that gives them the boundaries. Um, and they tend to think about it in terms of, well, you can trust the roulette wheel, but you can't trust the man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and also the other presentation is addictions, um, because that's another way of dealing with their feelings. So in a therapy room, is that is that kind of where your target is, is to, you know, encourage feelings as opposed to the behavior well i think i think first of all i mean i i always think about an antisocial as being like a very naughty child yeah <laughs> really um and so what they need to to know is how they impact you if they're committed to change then you make that contract with them i mean i would make a contract in yeah, the therapy yeah. room say okay you've come because you've lost your job or your relationship's not working, let's have an understanding of what that's about. And I'll get a sense of them being antisocial. And I'll say, well, it seems to me like what might be useful is that uh, you get some feedback about how I'm impacted about what you tell me. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I remember doing some supervision with somebody who had an antisocial client and he would come straight from McDonald's, bring his drink, finish it very loudly, you know, when the straw reaches yeah. the bottom. Gurgling. <laughs> And then he would burp really loudly. And she said, he would do that every time and have no sense of the impact of yeah. what it was like for me in the room, him coming and, you know, slurping his drink and then burping. And I said, well, he's an antisocial. So unless you say to him, hey, I just want to feed something back to you. I just find that really uncomfortable when you do that. I'd rather you didn't. Um, how's he going to know? Yeah because very often they don't know so it's a bit like you know if, you, if you're living in a house where nobody um sets the boundaries in, in terms of making sure that you go out the house with a coat on yeah yeah in the middle of winter you go out the house without a coat on you freeze and yeah. it's not until afterwards they go oh i'm cold and i'm freezing so they they have to have had those stepping stones put in place. So what the antisocial, the, the acting out of an antisocial isn't always something that they consciously plan to do. It's just the way they think they have to be. Yeah. So the role of the therapist, first of all, is to bring that um, into their awareness um, and stroking them for doing it really and saying, great, I'm really glad, I really appreciate you doing that. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Sometimes paradoxical interventions are really good as well, if you know what I mean. So uh, you actually give them a negative, but it's actually a positive. Yeah. So go on, say a bit more about that. So um, you know, they they might um when when you when they turn up at your therapy room, they're up there before you and uh smoking, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and chucking the, you know, the butt on the floor outside the therapy door. Uh, now, if you were to say, don't do that, 
please don't do that, that would trigger their antisocial response maybe and be rebellious about it. So you might want to say, oh, here we go again. Another nail in your coffin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Another nail in your coffin so that you have an early demise. So you can do it in a jokey way. Yeah. So you're not hitting them head on. You're kind of going under the radar, so to speak. Humor as yeah. the paradoxical in intervention. So uh, I, I once was working with a young girl who was really antisocial and um, used to find it very difficult to connect with me when she came in the room and, you know, would mess about and ping things and, you know, yeah. chuck things in the paper basket. And one day she came in and she put the blanket over her head and was giggling underneath the blanket. So I got up off my therapy chair and got underneath the, the blanket with her. Bless. <laughs> therapy under the blanket. Think outside blanket. the box. It works. Yeah. So it, it's stuff like that. Um, and it's not what they expect either. It, no. You know, th that can be a big thing if you're a bit off the wall as well. It kind of normalises some of their behaviour too. Yeah. 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 So, you know, high doses of neg negative stroking is, is very often quite effective. Yeah. 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 So, you know, when they say something like, and you know what happened today? I got I got sent out the schoolroom four times. Uh, Miss sent me out four times. Yeah. So um, you could say something like, well, somebody who wears their shirt hanging out and their tie hanging off looking like a tramp would get sent out the room four times. So nothing to do with his behaviour, but just a joke about his demeanour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, and positive strokes really from the ch from a child ego state, uh, rather than from adult. So yeah. if you're going to stroke them from child, you stroke them for, it's less threatening if you do it, if you hit, try to hit their, the child part of them yeah uh, you know for example to say oh you know what I really liked it you did that and, I, and I'm sorry you had a hard time or something you know some kind of nurturing response rather than a yeah oh great nice one which is an adult response yeah yeah because I would imagine you know, if if you are trying to give them validation and recognition, they, they, they're not going to trust it for one and they're probably going to throw it right back at you. <laughs> you know, the, the foster kids that we had, it was like, yeah, well, what do you know? You know nothing. If ever I went in, you know, like you say, with an adult praise or recognition, they would, it was, yeah, they'd just throw it straight back at me. A lot of it was humour. A lot of it was banter. It was that, that was how we used to connect to them. Yeah. So you kind of have to do that. Oh my God! Yeah. You made your bed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even then, it, you know, you'd think, yeah, I've I've made a connection, but the day after it'd be gone again. You were constantly playing catch up all the time. Yeah. That lack of trust was, yeah. So you kind of have to play it the same way as they are, really, and be unpredictable, be zany. Yeah. Like getting under the blanket and having a giggle with them. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I would imagine even in the therapy room, it's it's not taking it personally, which, you know, it is easy said and sometimes it's difficult to do. That yeah. it, It's not personal. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, it isn't personal. 
it, and, and it is it's really important to, to stay on track yeah and not be hooked on the subject either so you know um to find ways of picking it up later on and letting things drop so you can come back to it yeah. so you don't hook that rebelliousness or yeah. that antisocial response towards you and does that link in as well to what you were saying about them having you know a low tolerance you know for staying on track and and they need high stimulus to yeah. you know to to expect to just be working on one topic in a session would yeah. be quite difficult for them to do so to be spontaneous and yeah obviously have a treatment plan but it's it's up to negotiation or adapting <laughs> yeah so it's kind of still you know it's like saying things like to them you know um you know when they shrug the shoulders or they don't answer you that you say um god i'm bloody fed up with you now because i'm still getting you know i'm getting shrugs off you and not yeah. getting responses yeah which is a true you are yeah not yeah. trying to be nicey nicey and and saying oh well i can understand you shrugging yeah what about boundaries in the sessions are you would you be quite firm in the boundaries is yeah. that the one time where you would be quite you know yeah. parent it with the the times finishing time start times what's acceptable within the sessions yeah so yeah if they came late i would say oh here we go again you're late aren't you you know and, and make a point of saying well, we're still finishing on time. Yeah. And then when the time comes, say, bye. Yeah. Maybe 25 minutes, but tough luck. Yeah. You should have come for your full hour on yeah. time. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. And, and be very, very strict on boundaries. Yeah. Let them know what, what's acceptable and what's unacceptable for you. Because then they know where they are in the scheme of things, because that's the one thing they've never had. No one's ever told them uh, as, a, as a child exactly how things are going to be, because one minute it's this way yeah. and the next minute it's that way. You know, they've had very little parenting, minimal parenting or no parenting. Yeah. So you have to use your positive controlling parent very clearly with them and make it clear that you will pay me when you come. The session will last this long. If you don't turn up on time, um, it still ends at the same time. Same time, yeah. If you don't turn up at all, you're going to have to pay me next time you come. Yeah. But those kind of things. Yeah. That are really clear. Um, it's. I think working with them as well is, it's important to point out the inconsistencies between what happened to them in the past you know make it very clear to them how come they do what they do because i think they really need to understand that and again it's helping them become accountable for themselves yeah yeah what they do now because of what happened then is not working no but they can do something different and they have got choices yeah I mean, that, that's probably something that will take a bit of time in the therapy because obviously the one thing that they find difficult is staying in a relationship long enough for that to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that because they, they do have, 
quite a strong please others because they do like the attention and getting the recognition and the validation so up to a point they are quite people pleasing in a manipulative kind of way yeah. to a certain extent yeah which I suppose that links into the narcissistic that we, we've talked about in the past well the manipulation has really worked for them yeah in the past because that's helped them to get what they need yeah um so they they'll have relationships with people who meet their needs yeah 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 rather than people they can feel connected to so they won't really have a strong sense of what it's like to be in a healthy attaching relationship yeah is it would you say that there's quite a bit of self-sabotage goes on then in relationships that you know if if the other is starting to form an attachment that they will sabotage the relationship and get out of it because they don't know how to be in that relationship I think what tends to happen is the the partner feels frustrated because they uh, they don't appear to be as committed as they would like them to be and they put pressure on them and that 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 then causes them to panic yeah that's when they get fearful and panic and so they'll escalate their behavior in some way to stop that that uh, other person from getting closer and closer to them and you'll see that happening in the therapy room they'll try and do things to sabotage the therapy yeah but what you have to do is bring that into their awareness and, I'm, and say you know what I think you might be doing so you might be doing a number on me unconsciously so I'm bringing that into your aware, awareness yeah yeah um, so again you've got to be on your toes with them in the therapy room <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Because they can be charming manipulators. They can be so charming. And, you know, the boys that I, I work with, uh, I only work with a couple of girls who are like that. But it was mainly young men, actually. Yeah. Who were like that. Were very good at getting you on their side. Yeah. Because, you know, I did a lot of assessments for juvenile court and had to write, write a report. So, of course, they want the best sentence ever and they don't want to go down and get put away into juvenile halls. Um, So, you know, they would be on their best behaviour. Yeah. I think that was the relationship that I had with, you know, a lot of the the foster children. You know, I was attached to them. I I did like them. The behaviour was really difficult at times. But, yeah, I liked being around them yeah for me it just felt like if you slept on it you started back from scratch the morning after it wasn't like they could carry on that nice relationship into the next day it was like every day you were starting from scratch with them that that was what used to exhaust me yeah 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 and uh i i remember instances of, of working with the young young boys uh you know we used to take them on holidays and stuff like that in the summer because yeah. they often hadn't been on holidays and you, they would go from being 16 year olds to like you know little boys 10 year olds yeah in such fun because they've never never had that opportunity with the parents they were with they would have fun with you yeah and you would see that vulnerability but the next day it would start again yeah yeah 
probably do something to sabotage it in the evening by sneaking out and buying loads of alcohol and getting totally blotto. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Sounds very familiar. <laughs> I remember sleeping, taking some kids to a log cabin and quite a few were antisocial, had quite high traits of antisocialness. Yeah. Uh, and the and the the uh, you know the support workers were in one cab one side of the cabin in the middle was the living area and the other side was their their bedroom and they just kept us awake most of the night three o'clock in the morning I just got out of my bed and I and I yanked one of the kids out of their bed took them into my room chucked him in my bed and I slept in the room with the kids uh, and that was it they never made another sound all night long bless <laughs> happy memories it's funny how when when you look back on things yeah. you know you can see why they did what they did when you're in it I always found it quite difficult living with somebody who displaying antisocial behavior is is quite intense in a therapy room I think it's it's different yeah it is different, uh, <coughs> mainly because by the time they come to therapy, they're realising that they need to do something about what's going on for them. Yeah, yeah. What you get in, I suppose, in your in your foster home is kids who are reeling from the damage that they've experienced. Yeah. Uh, and you're getting the flack from that. What sort of thing do you think would bring an adult into therapy? What? what kind of would be the catalyst for them to seek help? Um, probably to do with relationship problems more than anything. Yeah. Problems at work. Um, so, you know, stuff like fiddling the books and getting caught. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. And, then, and then the relationship fell apart because the wife found out they'd lost the job because they were fiddling the books. Those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. So it would be that risk taking, that breaking the law, that on the verge yeah. of illegal activities type things. Yes, it would. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you think about um, think about the um, uh, in terms of the um, what we call the TA present the the TA style presentations, you know the games the games that they play, the sort of high level games that they do play is cops and robbers yeah right catch me if you can yeah yeah that's the major game that they play um but uh, and they do have very strong don't make it uh decisions uh, don't don't be close don't feel don't don't think but do think to outsmart people yes yeah so they're the kinds of things that you would be dealing with in the therapy room, really. That they they sell pretty close to the wind. Yeah, exciting day's work, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing a guest appearance, Steph. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome, and good to speak to you too. Yes, no doubt we'll have you back again. Take care. And you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Therapy Show, Behind Closed Doors podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. We'll be back next week with another episode.